Amen. Thank you all so much. There's some good stuff going on today. I'm excited. So uh, 10 years ago, let me get the clicker from you, Seamus. Um, 10 years ago, I went to Uganda, um, as I shared earlier, and I met someone, Baker, obviously, and a few other people, um, but I also met someone, if you want to just click through it, you can. Yeah, yeah. Um, I met someone named Susie, and Susie is this uh, very interesting woman that I have <laughs> come to know a lot through the 10 years. Uh, she's going to be on your left. Um, Susie Vion, there's Baker on your right. Uh, Baker's just looking sprite, youthful, amazing, love it. Uh, then there's Henry in the middle. Uh, <laughs> I was looking at a picture from us. You see it downstairs. I'm like, wow, it was 10 years ago. We look like a lot. We just look happier and younger and brighter. I'm like, I don't know if it's like the light on our faces or something, but there's a picture of Tina and me. I'm just like, what? Like, was that the best joke we'd ever heard? Anyway, if you want to see the picture, it's downstairs. Anyway, Susie is this amazing woman. Uh, and one of the things that she told us uh, to do uh, when we were going to Uganda was you've got to make sure you've always got a word in your back pocket. You've got a message. And we said, why? And she goes, well, you don't realize people are going to say, like, what's your name? Where are you from? And then would you preach for us? And I was like, was that because I'm a pastor? They're like, well, no, they'll do it for everyone. And so we all had to have, like, a word ready. And she said, well, like mine. Uh, and her word was a word about Psalm 16, Psalm 16, 6. And the kind of like a point line that she had, or the, her favorite line in it was this next slide. Uh, it was, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. She said that. She's like, this is my teaching. I go to it all the time. And honestly, I was a little bit stumped. I was like, okay, why would she say this? You know, she's an older white American. There's a little bit of, you know, privilege going on for her. Uh, she's speaking to a mixed group of Americans. The group is half Ugandan. Uh, uh, Ugandan has a... Uh, an economy that's uh, sometimes struggling. So I was like, why would she talk about boundaries? Like, why would that be her word that they've fallen for her in pleasant places? Some people would just look at her and be like, well, we can tell, right? Like, you got like some jewelry, something else, right? So why would she share that? Just be honest. Um, and then she spoke. And she said that she was one of the first campus ministers in her organization, like one of the first ones at all. And she was a woman who was doing this as a way to preach to pastor students, to minister, at a time where she probably couldn't have done that at a lot of local churches. She got training in public health and in uh, different fields of medicine to supplement her ministry knowledge. She said it was important for her to do holistic mission, to care about someone's body and their soul. And she did that in a time that was far kind of before people were you know, writing articles about it. She had years go by she never got married or had children. I was on the trip with her a few different times, and people said, like, when, when were you widowed, or how are your grandchildren? That wasn't something that was relevant to her. She was just single for decades. And then she eventually went to the Philippines. As some of you know, Caritha and David DeLeon, she pioneered that trip with them to the Philippines, to Uganda, to Mexico, oftentimes for five to seven weeks at a time. And then she's still on staff with this organization where she's often 50 years older than her coworkers. So when she said, for her, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, um, yeah, I've never forgotten that. And I had to kind of repent a little bit. Oops, I judged you, sorry. Because <laughs> there was a way that what she did really was meaningful to this verse that became her life verse. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. 
never forgotten that. And part of the reason of why is the psalm became alive in her retelling of it. I saw the psalmist not just examine their current circumstances or what happened yesterday with any hardship that they had, but I saw the psalmist for the first time having something different happen where they were older, they were wiser, and they were looking back at the length of their life, and they said, and I always imagine them sighing before, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Looking at the extent and the work of their life, whatever gift, whatever challenge, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. But one of the things that might be curious for us, we might need to do at the beginning of this talk, is to say, what are boundaries? What is a boundary? And I'm going to frustrate you just a little bit because I think they can mean many things. And even as we look at the psalm, we'll see there's a word that's used that actually, it also means many things. And so there's a sense of a confusion of what is a boundary? And it can be these different things. You can just click through a few times. You know, it's a line that marks a limit. It's a dividing line. It's uh, something that marks in and out, a barrier to something, a barrier for health. Won't make any jokes at all. No jokes about people's boundaries. We're not, not going to do boundary jokes here at ECV. That's fine. You know, we have boundaries. We, we enforce them sometimes on our friends and non-friends. I said it was not a joke. Come on. Um, so there, there's a question of what are boundaries, and it, it's, it's all of these things. And boundary lines fall in pleasant places in the scripture, but I think oftentimes boundaries don't feel as pleasant to us. And so there's a question here at the beginning of this talk, as we even before we look at the Psalms, we can ask, well, what will this mean for us? And can we be in a space of discernment? We've been wondering, how does this word hit us, even right now? How does that word hit you, that word boundary? Is it positive? Is it negative? And, and some of us, we are aware of this because even people who are coming into a church on a Sunday, whether you're coming as a guest, whether you're coming as a part of this faith, whether this is something that you've done year after year, decade after decade, we know that Christianity, our faith, has these boundaries to it. Some that get popularized, that put some heat on it, that get exported. People say, well, there are people that do this or do that. Some of which we just realize, like, okay, there's the sense of, like, weekly worship or being together, being in community. Right? You saw some things earlier, even in like the COVID times, right? Like, well, we've got to meet together. That's part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Like, you can't stop the meeting of people, whatever way it happens, right? And then there's even Jesus, who's this man that said he had a narrow way, a way that many couldn't follow. And things that he said, whether it's give to the poor all you have, and someone had to walk away sad, or words of not hating your enemy, or even just loving your neighbor, but loving your enemy. Words that are words about boundaries and what is required in this life of faith. As we think about this topic, we have to ask, how will God lead us? How will God help us in any of this? One of the things we explored last week is, can a rule of life, a set of intentional practices and commitments, help us discern good boundaries, bad boundaries, how to find them falling in pleasant places, regardless of even if it might be something hard, it's like, can it still maybe find us in good places? Maybe a few examples of how this could work before we dig in. Maybe it's the busy person, busy parent, busy employee still deciding to have a Sabbath. Like, I know it's gonna be harder, but I just trust that this is still a good gift for me. 
Um, as Carissa has said, maybe it's the Californian deciding to embrace the Connecticut winter because of a calling. That boundary, you know, it's not like a punishment exactly, but some people would say they're from California. Nope, it, it feels like one. But you're deciding to say, you know what, I'm going to embrace it this year. Maybe it's a person stepping into some kind of leadership because no one else said yes. Ooh, this feels like it's just what I'm called to do, what the season is uh, requiring. Maybe it's someone choosing to work on their marriage instead of giving up right away. Could this sense of boundary lines falling in pleasant places help? Could a rule of life help in any situation like that? You know, last week I talked about how a rule of life is something like a trellis. It's something where it shoots up as kind of fencing, and it allows something to be on it, to, to grow, to maybe move to the light. I talked about how we always have some kind of rule of life. Gave you this embarrassing story about eating too many chips at night with Tina. And I didn't promise you this, but because I'm your friend, I gave it to you. See, this is the two people eating a chip and dipping it into the sauce. So I'll just say what happened to me. I think when you realize this, you need to like kind of negotiate your relationships with chips and salsa. That, that's at least what happened to me. I'm not saying that needs to happen for you, but for me, I was like, wow, I've never seen this before. And I was like, maybe I'm looking at this far too long and I have this too often. Again, that was my journey. It doesn't have to be yours. Um, and then, of course, the rule of life stretches us towards the light. We actually see ways that we grow in order to experience the goodness of God. Rule of life is practical. It's simple. You know, you could just think about what are, you know, goals you have. Be with Jesus. Become like Jesus. Do what Jesus did. Practices of abiding. Uh, thinking about your mind, your body, your physical body. Relationships. Rest work and money, the gospel and hospitality, and then this is cut off, but you know, daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, etc. If you want to know more, you can unpack it through this resource. But today we're going to be thinking about this claim of boundaries falling in pleasant places in our lives, and again, thinking maybe about how a rule of life could help us. We'll think about that more at the end of the talk and unpack the boundaries bit for most of the rest of our time. So let's be mindful, even right now, what might be practices or things that the Lord will do, even in this time, to spark something in us, to help us deal with what God is up to in our lives? To maybe celebrate boundaries that hem us in to God's love? Maybe to find ways to bring, I don't know if you'll like this phrase, but it was helpful for me as I was preparing, like, like itchy ones, like ones you just, this doesn't feel right, kind of like a, a sweater that kind of is, like how, does, how could you maybe get help bringing those itchy ones to God or confusing ones to God? And maybe to discover methods to discern ones that are unduly restrictive and seek God's direction about what to do with them. So let's pray together before we read our psalm for today. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you be present here today? God, give us your love. Give us your goodness and your care. Holy Spirit, would you attach us to a kind of way, your way, And help us, Lord, to be yours. God, where that's easy to do, we thank you for the grace and the gift. Where we're not sure where we are, we ask you for clarity and for discernment. And where we already know it's hard, God, we ask for your presence and your help. We ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So we're going to start with Psalm 16. If you were with us last week, we heard the Streets Lights version of this. I'm just going to read it for us this time. Um, But it's Psalm 16. I'll start with verse 1. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The word of the Lord. As we digest this psalm, we can see what's at stake here. We have vulnerable lives as humans, and we need protection. We need some kind of safety. We have many places we can turn to for medication, for other forms of rescue. We need a true rescuer who doesn't ensnare us in other schemes. And we can tell a story through our lives of maybe regret, maybe loss, maybe cynicism. Or we can tell a story that's reflective with gratitude, with praise, no matter what's happened to us. So what's the the offer here from God? I think it is that word of protection. I think it is that sense of God being a source of goodness and rescue. And I think there really is a reflection of life with praise. And as I look at the psalm, I see a few movements, some that are from us and then some that are from the Lord. The Lord meets us with revelation of life, of joy and pleasure. I think this is going to be so critical that it's not like the psalm stops with us doing work. The psalm doesn't stop with us doing some kind of faithful labor. But we see the movement of the Lord. What the Lord does is he meets us The way of life becomes known to us. There's joy in God's presence. There's pleasure in this eternal way evermore. And I think that becomes a way we can discern. Are we doing our life well with God? Are we not enforcing boundaries on ourselves that are unduly restrictive? But are we living in the boundaries that are pleasant for us? Is God giving us feedback from who God is? Not just from a religious community. Not just from people we feel like we have to... uh, uh, please in some way, but it's actually this person of God. Essentially, we're saying that protection comes from God and God alone, and that is good. That God is the source and not other things. And there's natural boundaries of our life, other situations. They don't compel us to turn away from God, but instead to see him as a refuge. Let's line up verses 5 through 8. I just want to read them one more time, then we'll look at that specific word that's boundary lines here. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. 
So that word for boundary lines is a word in Hebrew for line. Hevel, if I actually had the correct Hebrew back, something like that, but I don't. So apologies. Um, but it, it really means like a, a line, like even a rope. And it, it's something that binds. And it's either too tight or it's loose, a loose fit that's not too constraining. It's kind of interesting. It can be maybe both of those things, right? But in Psalm 16, it's more likely that it's one that actually gives you some looseness to you. And it also means just the pain of the human condition, birth pains. So I was looking up, I was like, I need to talk to Dr. Todd Kennedy about this because like, this is confusing, like it means a lot. And things are even contradictory. Like when I, I think about something like this, just like this rope, right? And like what it means to have a line. But then what it can mean that a line gets too tight on you, right? Or it's loose. Or even if I was trying to create some kind of boundary with this little section quadrant. You know, you can do it. I'm not going to do the tight version, so don't worry, anyone. But, like, you can do it in ways that are a little looser, right? They just demarcate or just say it's probably over here. And you can imagine, Spondon, don't get too nervous, but I could, like, you know, do it a little tighter, right? But there's a question of what this means, this, this line. But I, I like the thinking of what if the, the rope itself is a little threatening? What if this rope makes us a little bit nervous just because of what it is, because it represents some kind of limit on our lives, some kind of boundary that might be upon us, or even something that we would choose. And I love this thought in Psalm 16 that this doesn't have to threaten us, because what if we just know it will fit just right? It'll be loose enough. It will fall in pleasant places. And that's the promise of the psalm, is something that could appear threatening, that could feel chafing, that you might be worried about, could actually become a gift somehow. And perhaps something like this becomes, I think the word would be snug, cozy, where you'd feel hemmed in through the love of God versus constrained. It might look the same to others, but what if you knew the true difference? What if you felt its comfort? What if at the end of the day it was your choice? And that's what made it feel good. The boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Maybe something that could be seen as destruction to others for you, you know, is your salvation. Is it something like rest on the Sabbath? Something like generosity over wealth? Something like a way and guidance when you could just have utter confusion? Something like community, even with all the cost, because you know the gift. What might it be for you? We have challenging situations, lines that don't feel pleasant. Sometimes I hear them from you all as I try to pastor and try to listen. It could be being away from sick family members and trying to care for them, deciding between an academic program or a practical ministry opportunity and feeling the pain on, I don't know what to do, I wanna make a right decision. Feeling more settled as a worker uh, in the suburbs, even when you had inner city work and dreams. Maybe it's decision-making around a romantic relationship. I hear these different things, and people are wondering, what is the boundary for me? What's the fit? 
And I wonder if we can give it to God and to get feedback. What if it means that we have a life with a living God, like a relationship that God gets to intervene even as we are deciding, how does this feel good? How does this feel pleasant? Maybe it's doing that as a church for 15 years. We've been trying to love New Haven and find out how that is a good fit for us. And we've done different things at different times. Most recently, doing liturgies of homicide to care for our city as a boundary. And even as we see, like, there's already a few people who've been killed this year. We can feel like, oh, is that slipping away? Are we losing that sense of a, a fit? We haven't done anything. We haven't even shared that at church. That's how much this can be active in our lives. I just want to share um, a quick story. Because I think sometimes it's helpful to see how God moves in real life, real time, around uh, different things you're kind of wondering about. And, and this isn't the, the deepest story for me. But this is one that I, I like that's a helpful illustration. It's timely because Baker's here. But when I was in graduate school, a lot of people were doing cool, amazing projects um, won't even bore you with them, right? But it was like every word you could think, every place you could go, that's what they were doing. And I was interning at the Elm City Vineyard. And honestly, loving it. But it wasn't something that I saw my colleagues really doing, right? Like they're like, why would you even go to a, a local church? Like, church? Like, we're just in divinity school, come on. Like, I was like, wait, what? Like, it was just very strange. Like, being at the same church for three years, even weirder. And so I, there was an opportunity I got to go to South Africa, and I was like, maybe this is my time. I'm going to, like, think about ministry in South Africa and, like, doing cool things. And then I had a dream, like a dream in the night. And guess what the dream was? The dream was me in a van with other people from Elm City Vineyard, like a lot of friendly faces that I could, like, instantly recognize kind of going on. And then there was a pausing place, and I got out. And then there was a little a ledge, and then it was a tremendous drop-off. And what did I see on the other side? It was, like, the savannah. And I saw all these different animals, and I saw all these different things. I was like, okay, I think my brain's trying to tell me, like, that's Africa, right? Africa's more than that, but that is, like, a way I understood. I was like, this is, like, what my life would be. And I, I sent it around to people, and I, I, I had a similar sense in, internally as what people shared. Is It was kind of like, this is my life going with ECV. Like, there's, like, a road. There's a path. And there's the other thing I could do that's not, like, I'm not, it's not against anything. But it's, like, very different <laughs> And it would change my life completely. And I had a choice. I could choose one way or the other. And I felt pretty clear about like, okay, it seems like this is like continuing with ECV, like the Elm City Vineyard. Maybe I'll keep doing that, I don't know. Um, or I could do this like different kind of thing, this different kind of journey. And I said, you know what, I'm really drawn to like work in Africa. I'm really drawn to this place that is so mysterious for me, given that I'm black and I don't know where I'm from. And, I really would love to do that, but it doesn't feel like it's for me right now. And it's funny because I actually heard someone else share like basically an, almost an identical dream about a different area of the world. I'm like, is God like just doing this, giving people that dream? That's kind of weird. And so then I just stayed at ECV until five years later, someone happened to be one of the co-founders of ECV praying for me for something completely different said, hey, I have a word. It's not about what you're sharing at all. I think you're going to be frustrated by it, but I'm going to tell it to you. So sorry, but I see a picture of you. Um, and you're uh, driving on the wrong side of the road to him. Sorry, Baker. Um, and you're, you're in what looks like Africa. I see like what's called the big five, this way that like, you kind of know these different animals that are there. And you're doing ministry. And I feel like you're going to get a practical opportunity to do ministry in Africa like in a few weeks. And I think it's connected to your vocation. And the next week, I was at a ministry gathering that wasn't part of the vineyard. This person did not set it up at all. And they said, hey, is there a, a man who would be willing to go to Africa? Uh, it's this place, Uganda. Uh, 
is that like relevant to anyone? And this atmosphere isn't as like charismatic. They don't do like prayer calls, but they almost did it as a prayer call. Like, would that person stand up and raise their hand? I'm like, what? And so I did. And that's how I met Baker. That's how I went. That's how I've had a relationship with Baker and Global Link Africa for the last 10 years. And I think about that as that was the boundary line falling in pleasant places for me. Like I, I wanted something, but I felt like it was wiser to resist that thing, to kind of step back and to see if it would come back to me somehow. And it did. But it only worked through the intervention of the Lord. It only worked through God being alive and at work. And I feel like for some of you, that's the story you need to hear right now. That you're like facing these difficult challenges and you need to hear that God can show up and speak into your exact situation. And that's how you can hold the tension. That's how you can be someone that has a certain kind of boundary on you, only because of God's living voice, only because of God's active intervention in the world. And I think you already know who you are. And I'd advise you to get some prayer today. <laughs> Because the Lord can move and speak. But what if we're unsure? What if we don't know how to discern? I want to go to this last part of the scripture. Because thankfully God gives a lot of feedback. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. Nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. There seems to be something that is happening there, there's actually some things we can note about this when things are falling in pleasant places. We can see a secure body, a lack of death, a path of life, joy in God's presence, eternal pleasures nearby. I think that's helpful for us because it means that we can discern what might be a good boundary, a good thing to receive, and what might be something to resist even. You heard Baker talk earlier about, like, they said, like, no Africans can do missions. He did not say, Yes, that is the boundary I want for my life. That feels good and pleasant. It seemed like something would have been wrong or off with you, Baker, if you said, I just accept that. So instead, you stepped into something else. It seemed like God moved in these ways that really were wondrous and have been amazing. The fruit kind of shows this. How do we grow in discerning about this? There's a man who's known as Ignatius of Loyola. And I love this picture. It's, I guess, stained glasses in Spain. And it's funny, because this is basically the story I'm going to tell you. On the, they're both Ignatius. On the left is Ignatius as a knight, and on the right is Ignatius as who he became, the saint. And the story of Ignatius' life is that he was uh, figured, he was uh, uh, in, in a battle, and his knee got messed up, and he was in the hospital. And as he was doing that, he had just a few books available. It was uh, the Bible, a book of saints, and I think he might have brought in like some of his like kind of romance or like kind of medieval stories. And that's what he was drawn to. That's part of why we, he was in battle. And he noticed something as he read the Bible, as he read the book of saints, as he read this kind of medieval romance story, the same thing happened to him. He got excited. He got happy. He was filled with some kind of like, yes, like life should be about adventure. Yes, life should be kind of full and active. But then he noticed something very specifically that after he read those stories that were more the medieval kind of like romance, all those things, chivalry, he felt sad. There was an emptiness. There was a lingering of something that he just couldn't shake. But when he read the story of the Bible and the saints, even though he was not drawn to that life initially, he felt content. He felt like there was something that was a good fit. I don't think he would have used the word snug or cozy, but dare I say, maybe that's what he felt. Like, those things fit him. They were snug on him. They were cozy to him. And he actually became a priest out of that experience. And not just any priest, but he actually used the experience in the hospital to say, I think you can do this with life. You can look over your life in something called the examine, examination, and say, 
what is good to God? What feels like joy or consolation? And what feels bad? What feels bad to you? What could be desolation? He even became known for a way of decision-making called Ignatian decision-making that basically is making decisions around a similar thing. Does this bring lingering happiness? Does it bring even like the uh, little bit of knowing everlasting joy? Or am I, experiencing, am I experiencing a path of life that's known to me by God? Or do I feel in my haste that there's like some kind of shortcut here, that there's some kind of thing that isn't giving me the feedback I want? Maybe we can add the examine to our rule of life and that would be helpful to us. And we can just see that, that that's a way of maybe going about wondering, what can I do with the different boundaries I have? Can I see, like, God, what are you saying? What are you speaking? You know, last week I talked about the boundary uh, of nonviolence in this commitment card. I'm not going to read it for you. But it's just different ways that people committed to be nonviolent. They're actually taking up a boundary for themselves, saying, this feels like a good fit. This feels like what I need to say yes to and that's a way that they're saying, I think this will fall in pleasant places. There's one here. I'm not going to read all of it because of time. But um, this is actually a rule of life for redemptive entrepreneurs. It's through this group called Praxis. They're people that are working with money. They're doing a lot of uh, startup stuff. They're like, this is a crazy environment. Things don't go well when you just do this willy-nilly. We need to have a rule, something that will help us and hem us in. Just reading one, money. Instead of being preoccupied with money and possessions, we practice simplicity and generosity. We commit to give away a minimum of 10% of our gross income with special attention to the needs of the material poor. You know, thinking about startup people and how often they're on devices, the part of imagination, we commit to establish structured limits for our use of screens and our consumption of entertainment and quantity, frequency, moral character. For time, you can see that there's Sabbath right there. They do three more, time, money, imagination, and then decision-making, power, and community. Instead of accumulating power to benefit ourselves or exploit others, we use it to generate possibility for those who have less access to opportunity. We commit to the practice of gleaning, which is an Old Testament scripture practice, frequently sacrificing opportunities for our own advancement to intentionally creating pathways for others. We just see ways that they're saying, like, this is what we need to have on us in order to do this responsibly in a way that will feel freeing to us. And maybe we should do the similar thing for our professions and vocations, for teachers, if we're parents, if we're trying to find out how to be in a church and to be in a church well, like how do we do these things so we can have a way of life together that feels like we could say boundaries that are on us are pleasant. You know, we can think about how boundaries are different than something like limits. We did a series in the past, uh, and there's actually a great trailer for this. I didn't want to embarrass Matt, so I didn't put it up here, and I think he's maybe grateful for that. It's a great, it's a great little trailer, but it's like Matt doing a voiceover, and there's music. It's, it's really good. I liked it. Um, it's not available on YouTube right now if you went, so it's not. But it's called Receiving the Gift of Limits. It's a series we did. Um, and there's a sense that, like, okay, yes, limits can be good, right? Like, rest, Sabbath. But also, there's some ways it can feel bad, too. We need to discern that and have a kind of even relationship where we say, well, what are people saying? Um, you know, even in that series, there was folks who were like, this language, like, I, this is, I'm struggling with this, right? Like, I feel like, I feel like I've been limited by other people. Like, I'm not sure if you want to use that word, right? Like, but we need to be in a relationship with discernment. To discern through the examine, maybe that language I've used in Psalm 16, do you know, are you, is the path of life being made known to you? Do you feel joy? Can you find the bigger story, the pleasant places? And if the boundary has been bad and you know that, can you still see God's work in mercy and forgiveness? Um, this isn't easy work. So I want to slow down 
and reflect even right now. I'll just ask you some questions. You might want to close your eyes. Just to get into a reflective posture. I'll do this, tell a story, invitations, and invite the worship team back up. You know, what are natural boundaries from you? Maybe choices even your family made that had consequences for you. Maybe movement, maybe decisions of what you did for, for work. What, what are natural boundaries where you can look back and find a strange pleasantness given what God has done in your life? Where are times where you made a choice? It wasn't someone else's choice, but you made one. And it actively cut off one possibility, but it also made plain another one. Or is there something that became pleasant for you in in realizing that, even if it was hard at the time? This is a little harder. Where was there a boundary that was actually made to harm? Like it was actually meant to be a bad thing, but you found that it worked itself out over time perhaps even making something more beautiful than you could have ever imagined. And where can you clearly identify, even right now, a boundary that feels more like something to be resisted and opposed? Maybe you can think of one where uh, in your life there's actually tension around that or tension with someone else you care about. I'll just pray right now, God, would you just minister as people seek to see your spirit fall? Come, Holy Spirit, and have your way. Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team up. I'm going to share one more story, a little bit of a vulnerable one for me, but I'll do it if you're, if you're still with me. And then just share invitations. Um, there was a person at ECV who was, um, yeah, who came into the community or who knew me. We're really good friends. Um, and I don't, I'm looking at people here. The timeline is off, so most people won't know who this person is at all. Um, but uh, we were talking. And you know sometimes when people bring up something sensitive, like to you, but they're bringing it up a little bit more casually? I'm like, I'm like ooh, that was, that, was, that was a lot. Um, so anyway, they were talking about me and, and the ministry that I'm helping lead here at ECV, uh, and we're both black, um, and they were saying, man, I could never really do what you do. I was like, oh, t- tell me more. And they're like, there's just a way of, for you to minister to a multi-ethnic church. And this was a few years ago. They're like, it, it just feels too tense right now, too difficult. Like, I, I couldn't do that to minister to like, a broad group of people. For me, I, I really have to stay like, in my community. But, but you, though, like, you're doing, like, go for it. Yes, like, this is, and again, we're like brothers. We're like really good friends. And so I, I, I had a sadness that hit me. But I also had a recognition that my friend was discerning a few things, right? That there was something about his life that maybe the thing I was doing wasn't for him. And I had a sense, even though, again, it wasn't, we didn't, kind of open up a conversation about this, was like, splat! <laughs> I was like, ooh, that was a little rough. Um, but I had a sense, oh yeah, like my friend can say that. And I can feel like, yeah, this does feel like a fit. Still working on the snug and coziness, right? But it feels like a fit. And there was something in that moment, even though it was charged 
not because we were mad at each other or anything, but just like because of how intense it was as it came out. But I, I realized, oh, that's part of what this, I think, is meant to be like for us. If someone can look at that rope on us, whether it's us just even being a person would come to church on a Sunday, whether it's us being a Christian or a Jesus follower, whatever language you prefer, most people will still call you Christian if you say you're a Jesus follower. Sorry, spoiler. <laughs> or, or, or any other kind of, of fit. Someone might say, ah. But the question is, is it cozy to you? Is it snug to you? Is it pleasant to you? And are you discerning in a community where they're like, that, that is right. That does seem good. That is a good fit. Because that's what we actually, at the end of the conversation, we're rejoicing. He's like, this makes sense for you. And he actually gave me some encouragement and affirmation. But that way it hit me first was, oh, that didn't feel good. But I wonder for us here, what kind of boundaries is the Lord calling us to consider or adopt? What ways is he asking us to become curious about it falling in a pleasant place? I just want to put up some invitations. Maybe reflect on where you go for protection. You could pray, God, be my refuge. Maybe there's boundaries you're actually delighting in lately, like a Sabbath that you're taking up, a tech-free weekend. And are you creating space to get feedback and intervention from the Lord, asking, Lord, I need your help. Please protect me. And of course, maybe you're going to use a rule of life to help you get there. I want to invite you just to a posture to uh, receive. Holy Spirit, would you come and fall on these ones? God, I thank you for the way that you do say, Jesus, that there's a narrow way that's for us, but you don't spell that out exactly. You, we have to follow you. Maybe that's part of the narrow way is just a pursuit of you. So God, I ask for anyone that just feels like a re-up with that, like Jesus that they can follow, who can become the narrow way himself. I just ask for anyone who's wanting to re-up on that, for God, you to empower them right now. Empower them through your spirit. Help them hear your voice, discern you more clearly, have a community of people who can help. And God, I pray that you could stand with them as the God that makes known life to them, that makes joy in your presence be felt and who gives yeah, your eternal pleasures to them. Lord, I pray that even right now as we worship and as we step into a time of prayer, I pray that we can move God, just trying to understand a little bit more of your goodness, even on this side of heaven. And God, if there's a struggle and a practical thing where someone just needs to know right now, God, this is incredibly hard, this word. I need to know how you can actually be good and pleasant amidst all of this. I invite you to, to get prayer. We're going to have a time of prayer ministry on the side. If you're a prayer minister, you can go there right now. Because I feel like this is a time to actively work out something that God is doing, to actively work out something that might be being stirred up in you. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Help us worship you. Help us be with you. And if our next step is prayer, or worship, or response. Help us to say yes to what you're doing. In Jesus' name.